The British, the British dream. Below our expectations. We're about to be an all country. We're about to be a country. Wonderful to be here. The British dream podcast. Join us. Powerful people as we launch up despicable acts like these and the sickening and barbaric politics. What I hate about this Shut up your face. is that it's so violent. When the next phase of this disaster comes, they will come for you. Hello and welcome to the British Dream Vice's Politics Podcast. My name is Simon Childs, Home Affairs Editor at Vice.com. Try to calm down and behave like an adult. Earlier in the summer, the world looked on in horror as Donald Trump's zero-tolerance border policy led to the separation of thousands of migrant children from their parents. Audio recordings of crying infants and pictures of kids surrounded by border cards could hardly fail to move you. But do we really have the moral high ground here in the UK? Well, actually, the separation of children from their parents at the hands of the border system is something that does go on in this country, but it's much less well known. Discussing this with me today is Nick Beals from Bail for Immigration Detainees. What's the situation with um, children being separated from their parents in immigration? Is it the very base of it? Is it literally, is the parent in an immigration detention centre? Yeah, so we we no longer detain um, children in the UK, certainly we can there are powers to detain children for a brief periods for the purposes of removal if it's for example a family of failed asylum seekers or visa overstayers but broadly speaking children are not detained in immigration removal centers anymore although they were up until i believe 2011 so we no longer detain children over here what what does frequently happen though is that mothers or fathers are detained and separated from their children as a result so was it was that supposed to be a sort of humanitarian move to not be locking up children anymore that then caused this sort of other outcome i don't know if i'd describe it as humanitarian sure. um, <laughs> like not locking up migrant children to me to me doesn't seem particularly humanitarian it seems just not just horrific basically mm. um i i guess that the view was that it, it was wrong to lock up migrant children which it seems quite odd to me that that, that should even be a question I mean, to me locking up children is of course that's wrong they have stopped doing that although they do continue to detain parents and separate them from their children with great frequency yeah do, do you have a sort of handle on how frequent it is. Well, we have our figures, um, and you bear in mind we're a small charity of what, like 10, 11 staff members? I mean, we're not a big organization. In the last year, our reporting year runs from the 1st of August to the 31st of July. We uh, worked on 167 cases in our separated families project, which I manage, and that involved separation from parent, of parents from 328 children. So, 328 children that we know of were separated from either one or both parents as a result of immigration detention in that 12-month period. And that's just your figures. Do the Home Office keep figures about this? No. Right. So it's very difficult to get a an idea of the, the full picture of it. But I think if our figures are showing that, I mean, you, you can be pretty certain that that's not the, the end of the problem. And what does the situation sort of look like for these families? How long might they be separated? Are the kids looked after? We have indefinite detention. Yeah. We're the only country in the EU that has indefinite detention. And by indefinite detention, I think it's really important to draw the distinction. This is not criminal detention. This has nothing to do with the prisoner state. 
it is important to stress that this is administrative detention and, and this is the Home Office's choice. It's always optional to detain someone under immigration powers. It's never mandatory. It's never imposed by a court. It is always the, at the discretion of the Home Secretary. And they choose to, As is it like a matter of policy that they would choose to? When it comes to detaining someone, there's various things you're meant to consider as as the Home Office on, you know, whether or not detention is appropriate. And one of those things is you have a legal duty to safeguard and promote the welfare and best interests of children in the UK. So if, for example, you have a foreign national who's been convicted of an offence and is serving time in prison and is coming up to their conditional release date and you're of interest to the, that person is of interest to the Home Office because they're a foreign national, then when they're considering whether to impose detention, a primary consideration has to be how it will impact on that individual's children. Frequently, that amounts a little more than a tick box exercise and including in your reasons for detention letter, a bland generic phrase about how the Home Office has a legal duty to consider the children's best interests. However, there are other factors, such as in this case, which may justify detention. I did a case uh, this yeah. week where the guy thinks we got bail. We had six different Home Office documents that he had received during his time in detention. Not one of them referred to his children. And they were fully aware of the children because he had told them when he was asked to make submissions as to why he should be allowed to stay in the UK. What's the longest you've seen families separated? Many months, uh, you know, touching on years at times. Like it, it does happen that people are detained for 12 months plus and separated from their children as a result. And what's the sort of impact on these families? Like what happens to the children in the meantime? It can be devastating. The majority of our cases will see the other the child with the other parent. But it does huge damage. One of the one of the things we always say, and one of the things we're always told by detainees is, when you're in prison, you're counting down to your release date. So you count down the days because you know, on the 10th of August, I'm due for release. When you're in immigration detention, you count up the days because you don't know when you're going to be released because there is no set date on when you're going to be released. So when the government says we don't detain people indefinitely, that's just not true. People are detained indefinitely because there's no... Does the government say that? They do. Because I do. thought, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like Britain's famously <laughs> the place yeah. where we detain people indefinitely. So uh, Brandon Lewis, the former immigration minister, said we don't detain people indefinitely. And then when challenged on it, the defence was just negligible. Like, people are detained indefinitely. If there's no set date on when you're going to be released, that's indefinite detention. When you get a life sentence after committing a crime you are detained indefinitely there's no guarantee you'll ever be released immigration detention is the same as that it's not infinite detention it's indefinite detention though and so you said it has been happening since 2011 because that's when we stopped detaining children this can be quite quite difficult i, th I think for people to get their heads around at first so a lot of these children the majority of these children will probably be british citizens they're not subject to any immigration control there will be cases where the children aren't british citizens and even cases where the children don't have valid immigration status but the majority of our cases will be cases involving british citizen children who are being separated from their parent so my position would be that a child shouldn't be separated from their parent because they're not british but that is the the distinction between these cases sometimes the children will be british citizens and there's no question that that child can be made to go and live anywhere else because they're british they've got the right of abode they've got the right to be here um other cases it may well be that the home office is considering removing an entire family because none of them have immigration status.
Last year, more than 40,000 unaccompanied immigrant children were housed in shelters run by the Department of Health and Human Services, a network of more than 100 facilities in 17 states. Children now spend an average of 56 days in these shelters. This came to light a little bit when Trump visited the UK because obviously there was a lot of publicity around his policy increasing the number of children separated from their parents in the US. What are the sort of parallels between the two situations? One of the things that was most sort of most interesting but most sort of shocking to me uh, in a way was when the, all of the the stuff broke about what was happening at the US border which you know everyone was horrified by quite yeah. rightly but suddenly that generated a lot of interest over here but journalists wanted us to be doing that effectively that made a story so when you were like yeah we don't have sort of camps of children at Dover or whatever locked up in detention centers and separated from their parents it was always like well you know it's bad what we do but it's not as bad as Trump so it's sort of okay right so so but one one difference is in America it was literally children being sort of yeah like openly traumatized by border guards and stuff and in the UK it would be I guess a bit more hidden what was happening at the US as my understanding is that these were families that were arriving at the southern border and were seeking to migrate to the US for whatever reason, whether it was fleeing violence and persecution, whether it's for economic reasons, whatever it was, that's what was happening in the US. Our families are almost without exception, not people who have been detained on arrival in the UK. They've been here for years and have then been detained for whatever reason. Right, so so they've like settled in the UK... And then they maybe get caught up in the hostile environment for whatever reason. Well, it it, it does depend. It, it's difficult to give a sort of finite list of, of of what would lead someone to be in detention. But I think most commonly it will be people are here without status and they're encountered. And that's where the hostile environment comes in. Or they're people who are here lawfully and get sentenced to a term of imprisonment and then they enter the detention estate at the end of their prison sentence it's less obviously like people coming to a physical border and then and then finding themselves separated it's more the kind of insidious border situation that we have with the hostile environment which is a bit more difficult to wrap your head around it it is definitely i think what was happening in the us i think was quite easy for people to understand because the the narrative about immigration on the whole is that what's happening is that hordes of people are turning up at the borders and we just don't know how to cope and that's that's not what's happening with with the cases we work with to be clear but that's the narrative that is often set and it's not just a narrative that the media sets it's a narrative that politicians set so you have people like david cameron describing swarms of people arriving and that's the impression people get of immigration they don't get the impression that people are entering legally, you know, having flown here from wherever it is they're from on a visa, come in and then something's happened. Is it on the government's agenda as a thing to address? Like what kind of conversations have you, or have you had any conversations with them about it? Well, the government's policy, the government's guidance says you must never detain a parent if the result is that the child will be taken into care. It's not there are occasions where this may be necessary. It's you cannot do this. So they're in contravention of their own guidance. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that when I see these newspaper articles and you get a Stockholm office response that is 
we only do this in exceptional circumstances. Your guidance does not allow for it to be done in exceptional circumstances. Your guidance is this cannot be done. There's not an asterisk with a little note at the bottom saying, however, every so often, it says you cannot do this. So if you do that, you are in breach of your own policy, in breach of your own guidance. So how do we even get to that point? If it's not in the guidance, how do you get to the point where they do sort of fabricate a little asterisk that says, in this case, you can happen. Maybe take us through a couple of the examples. Okay. Well, uh, uh, the first case um, I can give as an example is one which involved a person who had no criminal record. So instantly that person is not subject to deportation. This person is someone they're trying to remove because uh, they had had, I believe, an asylum claim refused. That person was taken into detention in, I think, August, and his partner, who's a British citizen, was due to give birth to the couple's child in September, October. That person is taken into detention. The local authority children services made submissions to the Home Office that if he was not released... The mother would not be able to care for the child, and the child would be taken into care. So, wait, so he, the mother was pregnant. Like how? So, how many months pregnant? About eight months by the time he was taken into detention. Oh wow! Now, I I don't know if when the decision to detain was taken that the Home Office were aware mm-hmm. that uh, she was pregnant, but once he was taken into detention, they were aware because a fellow government agency contacted them and said, "This guy's partner is pregnant. If you don't release him." She's not going to be able to care for that child. That child will be taken into care. That person was in detention for eight months. And the Home Office's argument was, well, he was detained before the child was born, so therefore there can't be a parental relationship. Oh, my God. So you've chosen to effectively prevent, by your own logic, you've chosen to prevent this child from having a parental relationship and to put this child into care. Yeah. And that's that's a government body who has a duty to safeguard and promote the welfare and best interests of children. But did they like even make an argument like, well, actually, he is a threat or something? No. I think what happens is once you enter detention, and it, I, I'll give other examples of this, because sure. um, the next two are sort of repeat of this. Once you're in the detention estate, it's like this tunnel vision thought process that we've got you in detention, we need to bundle you onto the back of a plane. Mm -hmm. So all rationality goes out of the window. Now, what should have happened in that case is this guy turns up and they detain him. And they may not have known about the pregnancy at this point. However, a few days later, the local authority make these submissions. The local authority social services make these submissions. At that point, someone should have got hold of the case and been like, ah, probably shouldn't be holding this guy in detention. We, We need to release him. But because he's in the detention estate, that thought process just doesn't occur it's just we've got to get him on a plane we've got to get him on a plane we've got to get him on a plane is that a pattern or is that like an exception okay so case two i'll give us an example um this gentleman was released in january of last year and at the point of release he had uh no legal barrier to being removed from the united kingdom so the uk legally were able to deport him the issue was logistical they just needed to sort out the right papers from his country of origin in order to enforce removal. So he's released in January and he continues reporting to the Home Office every couple of weeks until December when he turns up. In this period, he's met a British citizen and she's fallen pregnant and the child is born just before Christmas in December 2017. January 2018, his first signing on event after the child is born, he turns up and presents the child's birth certificate to the immigration officer. Now, the Home Office, I'm guessing, had been intending to detain him on this date. 
not knowing that he had a child, because why would they, okay? However, when he turns up with the birth certificate and says, oh, by the way, I'm now a dad to a British citizen child, someone should get hold of that case and think, right, do we really need to detain him? Or this is a fundamental change of circumstances. When he lost his appeal, he didn't have a child. He's now got a British citizen child. This is a different case. They put him in detention. They're not to know this at this stage, but the mother is unable to care for the child by herself. Mm -hmm. The local authority subsequently become involved because the mother cannot care for the child, and the mother and child are taken into something called the mother unit as a result. It took four months to get that person out of detention, and during that period, the Home Office were arguing that the birth of his child was not a change of circumstances. So what, the, the child is four months old by the time he gets out? So the child would probably be... Uh, yeah, nearly six months, because he's detained when the child's about six weeks. Right. Um, and it took four, four months to get him out. And again, what you've seen here is this sort of tunnel vision once someone's in detention. Now, t to me, what should have happened there is someone should have got a hold of that case and been like, right, look, this is fundamentally different, isn't it? There's a British citizen child. That British citizen child has been taken into care as a result of us detaining this person clearly this needs to be looked at but instead what you got is there's no change of circumstances there's no change of circumstances we've got to get this guy on a plane as quickly as possible mm. so again all common sense all compassion out the window when you're telling that story i could sort of imagine a kind of daily mail headline of like asylum seekers purposefully having babies in order to trick the system i don't know is that sort of what the home office is thinking is that something that has any legitimacy in your eyes well, to me, it's it's an absurd uh, position. I'm sure the Home Office would, would gladly adopt it. Mm. But even if it were true, it wouldn't make any difference legally because the child's a British citizen. Mm. So if your argument is, well, your dad only got your mother pregnant to try and secure immigration status and therefore you deserve to grow up without a father. That is sort of illustrative of what is happening, right? In the sense that children as young as like literally newborns are paying the price for the border system that, that's the immigration narrative though isn't it it's it's always it's always framed from the point that there's a foreigner who's done something awful and you should be scared of them it's never british citizens the family members of this foreigner who whose rights are, are put out in in the media narrative I mean, you only have to look at things like i'm not sure if you're aware but outside of the the detention setting of the uh, minimum income threshold that yes. British citizens need to earn if they want to bring yeah. a spouse over. And the Home Office will undoubtedly say this is necessary to maintain effective immigration control or whatever, but why should you not be able to bring your, your spouse over here just because you don't earn lots of money? But that's not the narrative that's sold. The narrative is we need to stop people coming in, not that these policies that uh, stop people coming in affect British citizens. When Bid UK makes representations about this to the authorities, what is their attitude? Well, as a general policy, they're obviously in favour of detention. They, th they would describe detention, I'm sure, as a necessary uh, part of the immigration system. Mm. Um, our position is that detention should not exist um, in relation to the separation of parents and children. Our position would be if you're going to have an immigration detention system, then you certainly should not be separating parents from children for the purposes of 
immigration detention. Sure. So, but so if you go to the Home Office and you and you highlight a particular case and you say, "Well, hang on a minute. There's a six-month-old child here who's being separated from their parent. Uh, you have a duty to consider the right of the child." Do they go? Oh, okay. Actually, that's a good point. <laughs> from a casework perspective, no. Like, what happens is you get this sort of belligerent tunnel vision approach that there's no no room for for manoeuvre. Basically, once you're in that detention estate, the, the aim is to try and get you out of the country no matter what. So I'll give a, an example of a case I had the other week who I applied for for bail for. And this person, the Home Office accepted they could not put on a plane at this stage, and the earliest they would be able to put on a plane was six months' time. They accepted this person presented a low risk to the public. They accepted this person presented a low risk of absconding. They accepted this person was going home to live with his wife and child. So why was detention even being maintained? If you don't think he's going to do anything and you don't think he's going to run away, you don't think he's going to commit a crime, and you don't think you're going to be able to remove him anytime soon, why are you opposing this person's release? The purpose of immigration detention is to remove people from the UK, and you have a reasonable period in which to do that, and that reasonable period is influenced by the risk of that person effectively absconding if they're released. So the higher the risk of absconding, the more time you might be given to justify as a reasonable period. So if you don't think someone's going to run away and you think that even if they're going to be removed from the UK, we can do this whilst they're at liberty, why why are you choosing to oppose this person's application for release? And do you get a sense that when families end up getting split up, is it a sort of malicious thing or is it a mistake or is it like a tactic? Sometimes it's 100% I can say is it's just malicious. Yeah. It's just punishment. And... I, you know, you don't get that in writing, but you look at the decision making and there's nothing about this that this is for immigration control or to put someone on a plane. This is just punishing this person because they've done something. When immigration is too high, it's impossible to build a cohesive society. Do you see much scope for this changing or what do you think is going to happen in like this short and medium term? Well, one of the things that we, we've noticed is that the government is actually getting worse at detaining people for the purposes of removal. They're not getting better at it. So the stats show that um, only 45% of people who are released from detention are removed. If you go into a detention centre and you speak to two people, more often than not, one of those people will not have been detained for the purpose of removing them. They'll have been detained for some other purpose. Mm. It's not for removal. Mm. So to put it into perspective as well, for my cases, um, we worked on 167 cases involving people who were separated from their children or were separated from a pregnant partner. Of those, 26 were removed. Right. So 15% of our cases were removed. So in 85% of our cases, detention did not serve its stated purpose, which is to enforce removal. So if, we, so if we are to, for the sake of argument, assume that some people do deserve to be deported or whatever, which is a conversation we can have another yep. time maybe, even if you accept that premise, most of the time they're not even doing that. They're just locking people up for like an undefined period of time. And then just being like, oh, sorry, and releasing them. Yeah, more often than not. If 55% of the time you're releasing people back into the community and 45% of the time you're enforcing removal, that means over, more often than not, you are not detaining people for the purposes of removal. You're detaining them for some other purpose. 
either you know you you might have the argument that we you've detained them initially for the purposes of removing them but then something happens and removal doesn't take place and at that point they're released back into the community and so the government's getting worse at this what what sort of time scale are you talking about in that sense like have you seen your casework go up we, we, we just looked at the stats over the last six years and the amount of people leaving detention as a result of removal is falling mm-hmm. so in 2010 the removal rate was 63 percent. so that's fallen by a staggering amount they're not getting better at this they are getting worse at it so more and more people are being detained for no reason could that not be a case of detainees having better legal representation and stuff like that i don't think the two are related because there'd be more and more cuts to legal aid so less and less people qualify for legal aid now for representation in their deportation or deportation cases Mm. so in that context it does seem pretty clear that the government is just locking more people up they're not necessarily locking up more people the stats on that are not massively different in terms of year on year how many people are detained Mm -hmm. but they definitely are locking up more people and not actually removing the key i think is when you look at the names of these places they're called immigration removal centers and Mm. the key is the word removal and it, it's all i always find this quite interesting when we go to Yarl's wood which is the female detention center in bedford and you get a taxi from bedford station to Yarl's wood and on the way to the to the removal center there's a sign that says Yarl's wood idc which stands for immigration detention center that's what these places are they are for detaining people they're not for removing people because most of the people in them are detained and not removed but obviously when you say something is an immigration detention center you're saying that you are detaining people when you say something is an immigration removal center you're able to sell it as being a crucial tool in the the fight to maintain the immigration system and protect the borders or and what do you see when you go to those places <laughs> desperation fear vulnerability they're horrible places there's a reason they don't want people from the UN or politicians going into these places because they are they're horrible they're they're awful places I guess it's quite a weird situation because you're saying you're going to need some sort of political will from like potentially a different government to solve this but at the same time the policy is technically already in place you know as you're saying there are no exceptions you shouldn't separate people from their children well for the purposes of uh, the, the policy says that you should not detain a parent if the result is that the child is taken into care I mean that doesn't need solving in the sense it doesn't need rewriting the Mm. government just need to stop doing that Mm. so like i said we've encountered three cases where that's happened in the last 18 months if we've encountered three i'm pretty confident there will be others i'd be very shocked if we know of all the cases and can you see any prospect that they will abide by their own policy well they don't now so i can't see why why that would change if you have these policies designed in theory to safeguard and promote children's best interests but then you just don't abide by them. I can't see why there would suddenly be a, a shift in, in atmosphere and a shift in approach. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this space. Thanks a lot to Nick Beals from Bail for Immigration Detainees, or BID. The British Dream was produced by Sam Bonham at Rethink Audio. Stay positive and keep the dream alive. <laughs>